The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Matthew chapter number 5, if you want to turn your Bibles there. We're going to be in Matthew chapter number 5. We're going to read verses 14, 15, and 16. We're kicking off a brand new mini-series over these next few weeks entitled Each One Reach One. And this morning, as we start that series, we're going to look at a snippet of the Sermon on the Mount in a message simply entitled Shine. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 14, Ye... You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray, and then we'll preach a message entitled, Shine. Father, we thank you so much for being that light. Thank you for giving us the light so that we no longer have to work in darkness. And I pray that you'd speak to us through your word this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, in our text this morning, these three verses that we just read, really we looked at a small snippet of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount is the sermon that Jesus actually preached. And if you read Matthew 5, 6, and most of 7, you can read that entire sermon. In that sermon, Jesus covers a lot of different things, ranging from a lot of different topics. So we're not going to cover all those this morning. You can do that in your Connection Group Bible study as we study out this passage. Uh, but I do want to zero in on this one thought of letting our light shine. And as we look at these verses, we see a theme that kind of appears that's going to help us as we move through the Scriptures this morning. And that theme is simply this. For the Christian, shining the light of Jesus should be as natural as breathing. For the Christian... Shining the light of Jesus should be as natural as breathing. Notice how Jesus starts off this verse at the beginning of verse 14. He says, ye are the light of the world. You. He's talking, yes, to a multitude of people, but as he's saying this, he's talking to the individuals of that multitude. He's talking to you through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's talking to me personally, individually. You and I are the light of the world, which leads us to our first thought this morning simply. You are the light. You are are the light. Notice how personal Jesus starts this thought off with. He's not talking to a corporate group in a sense, saying this group as a whole is supposed to be the light, although that's true. He's not talking exclusively to church leaders. He's not talking exclusively to people who are people people and maybe extroverts. He's talking to his entire group of people, but he's talking to you and I as individuals. This is a personal declaration that Jesus is making. He says, you are the light. I am the light. I am the light in my neighborhood on West Fedora Avenue. God put me there so that I could be the light. God made you the light in your neighborhood. God made you the light at your job. Shine to your coworkers. Shine the light of Jesus to those that you work with. It's easy to read this passage. It's just kind of chalk it up to, that's that's the church leader's job, right? That's maybe my connection group leader's job. They're supposed to be the light. They're supposed to shine. But Jesus cuts right through all that. He says, no, you are the light. It's personal. It's for us as individuals. Now consider who Jesus is talking to as he's saying this. Sometimes we think this is for, you know, the uber Christian, the super spiritual. They're on the varsity team. But notice who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to a broken, outcast people living in a society that was in direct opposition to everything that they believe in Jesus stood for. He looks at these broken and outcast people and he says, you are the light of the world. He looks at the mom who's got a bunch of kids who's just overwhelmed by how crazy her life is, and he looks at her, and he says, you are the light of the world. He looks at the dad who's struggling to make ends meet, who's being taxed to death by the Roman occupiers, and he looks at that dad, and he says, you, you are the light of the world. He's looking at all the single people that would have been there that day, 
trying to figure out what Jesus was all about. He looks at them and he says, you are the light of the world. He's talking to the sick. He's talking to the healthy. He's talking to the rich. He's talking to the poor. All different people, all different backgrounds, all different walks of life. He looks at them and says, you are the light of the world. And by extension of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is telling us this morning, you are the light of the world. You say, but I'm not really good at my words. That doesn't matter. You are the light of the world. The last thing Jesus told us was to go and spread the good news that he died for the world and that he loves them and wants to restore them in a relationship with their heavenly father. God called us as to be light in the world. I know sometimes we think, light of the world, the world is so big, the world is so scary, it's just so overwhelming. But Jesus also told us in Mark chapter number 12 to start in your own neighborhood. Mark chapter 12, somebody asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love God and love your neighbor. He says, there is none other commandment greater than these. Now I know in this context, neighbor is talking about more than just our physical neighbor, but it most definitely does not exclude our physical neighbor. I mean, sometimes we think, i got to reach the world, and we get so overwhelmed, we just don't do anything, and we forget that there are eternal souls who will live, breathe, work, and die 50 feet away from us. And God put us in our neighborhood. God put us in the home he put us in so that we could shine the light of Jesus to those people who live right next door to us. Be the light to your neighbor. Be the light to your coworkers. At your job, be the light of Jesus to those people. I know sometimes it's, it's hard and you're like, man, I, just, I feel like work is this place that just sucks 40 hours of my life away every week. Instead of looking at it as a shredded place, why don't you look at your job as your mission field? God put you there in that job. God put you with those people for a reason so that you could shine the light of Jesus to them. I understand you got a job to do and you may not be able to preach a sermon to everybody every day, but you can definitely pray for your coworkers. You can invite them over into your home. You can invite your neighbors into your home. You can share Jesus with these people. You can invite them to church. That's how you shine your light. You say, come and see a man who's done everything. Come and see how God has changed my life. Come with me and hear the word of God so that you can be changed too. Uh, This past week, I was going through some old videos uh, that the church had made over the last couple years, and I came across a testimony video by Edgar Juarez, and he was talking about how he came to faith in Christ. And one of the things he said was his coworker, Joey Newton, just kept inviting him and inviting him to church. And Edgar said, Joey never gave up. He never stopped inviting me, no matter how many times, no matter how long it took. He just kept inviting me. That's how you let your light shine. You just let other people know, hey, Jesus has done something in my life, and he wants to do something in your life. This is a personal call. You see, everyone you come into contact with, whether it's at your job or it's in your neighborhood or it's at the store, everybody you come into contact with is an immortal who will spend forever somewhere. Every person you see, every face you look at is a representative of someone with an eternal soul that will spend forever somewhere. Are we shining the light? All of us are to be involved in shining the light of Christ to people, inviting them to church, inviting them to our home. This is a personal call to each and every one of us. Now, I know the proposition of letting your light shine can seem pretty intimidating. I mean, our world is dark. Woke up this morning, looked at my phone, another train wreck. Over 100 people sent to the hospital. Two people, two or three people lost their lives. Our world seems dark. It seems overwhelming. It seems like the news is getting worse and worse and worse. You don't have to watch the news for very long to figure out we live in crazy times. But again, consider who Jesus is talking to in Matthew 5. These people, this Jewish nation, they were once the superpower of the world. Nations feared Israel. Now they're just the outcasts of the world. They had been conquered multiple times in the hundred years before Jesus came on the scene. Nobody wanted anything to do with them. It was this dusty problem of a region 
and everybody hated them, and they were um, overtaken by Rome. They were nobodies. They lived in a dark society that was in contrast to everything that they believed in. This society that would, in a few years, totally wipe them out, destroy their temple, destroy everything. Jesus looks at them in that dark society knowing that, and he says, you are the light of the world. And just like today, we find ourselves in a dark society that calls evil good and good evil. The Holy Spirit is telling us, you are the light of the world. Yes, I know it can be intimidating to shine in darkness. Yes, I know it seems scary. Yes, I know it seems overwhelming. But I am with you, Jesus says. You are the light of the world. In fact, if that doesn't overwhelm you a little bit, maybe you don't understand it. (laughs) Me? The light of the world? But notice not only what Jesus says, but how Jesus says it in the Sermon on the Mount. All the commands in the Sermon on the Mount are in a passive voice, indicating that the righteousness or the commands that we are given are not something that the disciples can achieve on their own. The verb here in this text is the divine passive that describes an act of God. This is crucial to understanding your theology of the Sermon on the Mount because in this sermon, Jesus says, I want you to be holy like I'm holy. He says, you need to be more righteous than even the most righteous person. He says, you need to be the light of the world. This dark, horrible world that's falling apart, you need to be the light, you need to be holy. We can't do that. So what does God do? As he calls us to be holy, he gives us his holiness. As he calls us to be righteous, he gives us his righteousness. And as he calls us to be light, he gives us that light. What Jesus demands of us, he actually gives us. So the weight, the pressure of this is not actually on our shoulders, which is why for the Christian, shining the light of Jesus should be as natural as breathing. What Jesus demands, Jesus actually gives, which leads us to our second thought this morning. Jesus is the source of that light. Jesus is the source of that light. We are light because Christ is in us. Uh, John eight twelve. Then Jesus saith unto them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth in me shall not walk in darkness, but shall what? Have the light of life. Once a person places their faith and trust in Christ, the light of life enters into them. They have the light of Jesus. You see, even in the Old Testament, as the prophets would prophesy about the coming Messiah, they said that the ministry of the Messiah was to be light. When Christ took up residence in our hearts, we became extensions of his light-shining ministry because Christ is in us and we are light. Consider Isaiah 9, chapter 2. Prophet Isaiah prophesying about the coming Messiah. He said that people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath that light light shine. Isaiah 40, uh, 42, verses 6 and 7. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and will give thee for a covenant of the people, get this, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out of the prisoners from prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Everything Jesus did was to shine light. His whole ministry was to be this beacon of hope, this beacon of light, and not just to the Jewish people, but to the entire world. When Jesus was healing the sick, he was shining light. When Jesus was preaching that I am the only way to the Father, he was shining light. When he healed the lame, when he raised the dead, everything Jesus did was to shine light so that he could restore mankind back to the Father. You see, we are not the ultimate author of our good works. The righteousness demanded by the Sermon on the Mount is a gift from God that he freely gives us. The reason we can shine, Christian, is because we have Jesus. Jesus is in us. When you look at these light fixtures here on the wall, uh, that glass that's surrounding that light bulb isn't what actually shines. 
that job of that light fixture is to shine wherever it gets put, and it can shine because there's a light bulb in it. Well, we as Christians, we're just like that glass light fixture. We have no power in and of ourselves, but because we have the light in us, we can shine wherever we are put. Uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, His nature, Jesus, his nature enters into us so that we become, in a sense, what he himself is. Because Jesus Christ is in us, we become an extension of his ministry. You say, what would it look like for Jesus to live his life through me? What would it look like for Jesus to work at your job? What would it look like for Jesus to live in your family? What kind of neighbor would Jesus be on your street? His ministry was to shine, and because he is in us, we can shine. Ephesians 5.8, for you were once in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. So we, is, we see in Ephesians and in our text that because the light is Jesus, and he is inside of us, we can shine. Our lives are to constantly be shining. I love what the illustration he gives in the middle here. He says, you don't light a candle just so you can cover it up. You can't hide a city on a hill. So obviously we see here that light has a purpose. Verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men. The purpose of lighting that candle is so it can give light in the house. You can't hide a city at night, but you're not supposed to. It's supposed to light up so people can see it. And so your purpose, he says, is to let your light shine before men. We saw that we are the light of the world. We saw that we can shine because Jesus is the source of that light. But notice next, the purpose of that light, and the purpose of that light is to shine. Light shines. I know that's really deep, right? But that's our purpose. That's our calling. That is what God has created us to do. A disciple should no more conceal the righteousness of God or the gospel message or the light of Jesus in his life than a glowing city could conceal its light in the night. I don't know if you've ever driven at night into a large city. I can remember uh, when I was in college driving home across the desert into Phoenix, Arizona, and literally miles and miles and miles before you could ever see a building, before you could ever see a city, you would just see this glow at night. Why? Because the light of that city shines so bright. There was no hiding where Phoenix was. It was obvious. And just like it was obvious where that city is, it, was, it should be obvious that we are Christians have the light of Jesus because that's our purpose. That's our calling. It should be as natural as breathing. Christ has changed us for a purpose. In Matthew 28, 18, he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and lo, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. You're God's project. You're his workmanship. Get this, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God the Father has ordained. God has created you. God made you. God saved you for a purpose. And that purpose was to shine lights. That's what God created us for. I mean, think about it. God could have placed you and let you be born anywhere in the world. He could have let you have been born anywhere in time. But God chose to place you here, now, in this moment, so that you could shine. God put you at your job so you could shine to your coworkers. That's your purpose from heaven. God put you in your neighborhood so that you could shine to your neighbors, so that you could invite them to church, so that you could share Jesus Christ with them, so that you could have them over into your home, so you can get to know them and build a relationship with them, so you can lead them to Christ. God put you there for a reason. God allowed those difficult circumstances into your life so that you could shine in them. God may have allowed those health problems into your life so that you could shine to a doctor who otherwise might not have ever heard about Jesus. 
God has called us. God has given us a purpose, and our purpose is to shine. This is our time. We are the people for this moment that God has. If there was somebody who was better for it, God would have put them there. But get this. You are the best person to shine the light of Jesus in the circumstances you find yourself. If you weren't, God would have put somebody else there. God put you there for a purpose, to shine his light. On a regular basis, our connection groups are volunteering and helping out different ministries around the city. And a few months ago, a group of our ladies went to the Pregnancy Care Center and they helped them with a fundraiser, letting their light shine, helping people with crisis pregnancies find Jesus and get ultrasounds and get their needs met and taken care of, letting their light shine. When you bring your friends or your coworkers to church, that's you letting your light shine. That's your purpose. That's what God has created you to do. I can remember, this is a couple years ago now, in our uh, connection group, we were meeting in our little apartment, and at some point there was somebody in our little building that kept slamming the door really loud, and our next-door neighbor right next to us, um, they had this little baby, this is before we had any kids, and the baby had a few health problems, um, but every time that door in our apartment building would slam, it would literally shake the whole building, and it would wake up that poor baby. And this couple, I mean... (laughs) They, they need the Lord. I'll just say that. Um, There's a few times where you could hear yelling and screaming and banging, and I was always like, man, we need to go invite them to church. But one time in our group on this day, all this was going on, and you could, you could hear them. They're frustrated. They're cussing up a blue streak about this door being slammed, and they think it's us, right? So right in the middle of our connection, they, this guy literally barges into my apartment, and he's just yelling at us and screaming at us, and he's just having a good old time letting him know we're waking up his baby, and we're all just sitting there. I got Anthony Castro and Roman Diaz. They're both standing up because this guy's like, I'm from the south side of Fresno. I'm going to take you out, blah, blah, blah. And they're standing up because they're like, what's this guy going to do, right? And so I was like, hold up, everybody. Hold up. Let's just stop. I said, look, man, I'm sorry. I don't think that was us. We're doing a Bible study. <laughs> I was like, I'm a pastor at a church. We just tried to let the light of Jesus shine to that guy. Our group, we prayed with him. Send him back over to his apartment in peace, you know? Letting your light shine in difficult circumstances. I mean, I can remember many times, my wife and I, we would invite them to church. We would invite them over for lunch. I mean, they never came. And our job isn't to make results. Our job is just to let our light shine. Let your light shine. This is what we were created to do. In the book of Acts, whenever someone is filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak the Word of God. You see, there's no way around it. When you're walking with Christ, when you're walking in your purpose, you're going to shine. You're going to let the light of Jesus shine. He wants to shine through you. That is what he made for us to do. That is our purpose. For the Christian, shining the light of Jesus, it should be as natural as breathing. Because he's in us. He's a part of me. I get to be an extension of his ministry here on earth. We must tell people that there is a way to God. And it is through a person called Jesus He is the Son of God, and he came from heaven to earth to seek and to save that was lost. He came to illuminate the darkness, to expose the cause of darkness, and to make all things new and a living way out of it all back to God. He came to save, and it's our purpose and calling to point people to him and let them know you can have a friend that's closer than a brother. There's a man, his name is Jesus, and he will change you. He will make you new. I want you to imagine in your mind, I turned off all the lights in this building, right? Now, we as Christians, sometimes we fail to shine the light, and the world gets so dark, and we're like, man, we're really good at calling out the darkness, right? Like, we're like, oh, the world's so dark, I don't know what to do, we just need to hold on until Christ comes back, and we get really good at pointing out the darkness. It's like if I turn off all the lights in this room, and then I just marched around up here, and I said, it's dark, it's dark, it's dark. 
You'd be like, Pastor Nick, that's annoying. Shut up. Just go turn the light back on. I mean, how often as Christians do we do that, though? We're good at pointing out it's dark, but we don't actually point people to the light. We don't let our light shine. We don't actually point people back to Jesus. I was at a conference recently, and I was at one of the sessions, and there was a man who was talking about how we as churches could use our religious liberty to further the kingdom, to let our light shine. And he made this statement, and it's really stuck with me. He said, the best way to preserve religious liberty is to use religious liberty. You know, so oftentimes in my own life, I get so caught up worrying about what if we lose our religious liberty? What if we, what if this, what if, what if, what if? I don't actually ever use the freedom and the gift of God that I have to share the light of Jesus. Sometimes we get so caught up worrying that the world is dark that we forget to actually shine. That is our purpose. That is what God has called us to do. Are we using our freedom? Are we using that religious liberty to shine the light of Jesus? When we as Christians are not shining, we're not living the way God created us to. We're living less than what, the best of what God has for us. God created us to shine. He created us to share Jesus with people. Now, the result of shining light, the result of sharing the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came and he loves you and he died for you and he resurrected, conquering sin and death, the result of shining is that people's lives are changed. People who were once against God are now glorifying God. Look at verse number 16. Let your light so shine before men. People, men need to see your light shine. They need to see you. They need to see God working in your life. Let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, the purpose of letting our light shine is not so we can get glory. It's not so my neighbor can be like, oh man, they're really hospitable. No, it's so that they can see Jesus and God can get glory. It's not about us. It's all about him, which leads us to our last thought this morning. The result of light is glory. The result of shining is glory. When we share the gospel with someone and they accept Jesus as their Savior, that brings God glory. When a life gets changed, whether it's here in a church building or whether it's in your home across your dining room table or whether it's in your small group or it's whether it's some, through some form of outreach, when we let the light of Jesus shine and someone's life goes from death to life, God gets glory. John 15, 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, this is what God created us for. God wants to get glory when we, God gets glory when we bear that fruit. Sharing your faith shouldn't be a drudgery. It should be a delight because Christ is in you. It's like, I can't help but share it. It's just, it's just what I am. It's what I was created to do. When we simply let the light of Jesus shine in our lives, even those who are hostile to Christ might come to know God and glorify God. I mean, think about the Apostle Paul, hostile towards Christ. And he literally had a light hit him. And God saved him. Uh, in closing, I want to read you a story of a lady named Rosaria Butterfield and how she came to know Christ. In an article in Christianity Today, she wrote an article entitled, My Trainwreck Conversion. She said, this is her words, the word Jesus stuck in my throat like an elephant tusk. No matter how hard I choked, I couldn't hack it out. Those who professed the name commanded my pity and my wrath. As a university professor, I, try, I was tired of students who seemed to believe that knowing Jesus meant knowing little else. Christians in particular were bad readers, always seizing opportunities to insert a Bible verse into a conversation with the same point as a punctuation mark, to end it rather than deepen it. She said this, Stupid, pointless, and menacing. That's what I thought of Christians and their God Jesus, who in paintings looked as powerful as a shampoo commercial model. I'll give her that. Paintings of Jesus aren't always very manly. She goes on and says, After my 10-year book was published... I used my post, my position, to advance 
the understandable allegiances of a leftist lesbian professor. She said at one point she began researching and decided she would need to read the one book that had in her mind gotten so many people off track of the Bible. While on the lookout for some Bible scholar to aid in her research, she launched what she later called her first attack against Christianity in the form of an article in the local newspaper just ripping the promise keepers to shred. This was in 1997. Wrote this article ripping this Christian organization up and down, and she said, that was my first attack against Christianity. In response to the article, she got a letter from a pastor named Ken Smith. She said it was a kind letter. It was an inquiring letter. No judgments, no accusations, just asked honest questions. And she said when she got the letter, she read it, and she didn't know what to do with it. Either she was getting hate mail for her article or she was getting support, but this was like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. This doesn't, this, doesn't fit. this doesn't fit the box. So she said she stared at it for a week. She said in the article she wrote, with the letter, Ken initiated two years of bringing the church to me a heathen. He did not mock. He engaged. So when his letter invited me to get together for dinner, I accepted. My motives at the time were straightforward. Surely this would be good for my research. But she said something else happened. Ken and his wife, Floyd, and I became friends. They entered my world. She said they met my friends. We did book exchanges. We talked openly about sexuality and politics. The fact, or they did not act as if such conversations were polluting them. They did not treat me like a blank slate. When we ate together, Ken prayed in a way that I had never heard before. His prayers were intimate, vulnerable. He repented of a sin in front of me. He thanked God for all things. Ken's God was holy and firm, yet full of mercy. She said, I continued reading the Bible all the while, fighting the idea that it was inspired. But the Bible got to be bigger inside of me than I. It overflowed into my world. I fought against it with all my might. She says, then on one Sunday morning, I rose out of bed, left my lesbian partner, and an hour later, I sat in a pew at church. I fought it with everything I had. She said, I did not want this. I did not ask for this. I counted the cost, and I did not like the math on the other side of the equal sign. She goes on and she says, then on one ordinary day, I came to Jesus. In this war of worldviews, Ken was there. Floyd was there. The church that had been praying for me for years was there. Jesus triumphed. I was a broken mess. My conversion was a train wreck. But the voice of God sang a love song in the rubble of my world. I weakly believed that if Jesus could conquer death, he could make my world right. Rosaria Butterfield is now the author of the book, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, and she lives with her family in North Carolina, where her husband now pastors. There's a lot of things we could point to in her story that had a part in changing her that God used, but I love how she brings up there was a man and his wife who were just simply willing to let their light shine. This woman who was hostile towards Christianity, wanted to attack it, hated Christians, but a man and his wife and a church just simply let their light shine. And what happens now? God is getting glory from that church. God is getting glory from that family. Why? Because they went from darkness to light simply because a man was like, I'm going to let my light shine. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm just going to let the light of Jesus shine. And why? Did Jesus change her soul? And God gets glory. For the Christian, shining the light of Jesus should be as natural as breathing because he is in us. All of this is about God getting glory. And when the glory of God becomes so big in your heart and in your mind, when it becomes the driving force that just, it wakes you up in the morning and it gets you through the hard days. And when everything you do is all about the glory of God, 
shining the light of Jesus is going to be as natural as breathing because it's who God has created us to be. Shining the light of Jesus should be as natural as breathing. That's what this year at Ambassador is all about. We want to shine the light of Jesus. That's what this mini-sermon series is all about, helping us to shine the light of Jesus. So here's the takeaway for this morning. Go and let your light shine so that God can get glory. Go and let your light shine. Let it shine in your neighborhood. Let it shine at your job. Let it shine everywhere you go. Let the light of Jesus shine and watch God change people and get glory. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.